Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP, and of course, I'm here with the incomparable Father Chuck. I'm here, man. I'm here. <laughs> Do you know this? First of all, we're going to be talking about Seinfeld in this episode, which you probably already know by all the stuff that I post. Um, but you just made me remember... I was just kind of watching random Seinfeld clips just to kind of get into the spirit. Uh-huh. And I watched the, uh, their real and their spectacular scene. <laughs> and I died laughing when Kramer tried to slide into the, the apartment, but it, the door was locked. Okay. <laughs> you just hear it. Just like they're making out, then all of a sudden, bang! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're talking about Seinfeld. But before we get into that, Father Chuck, how are you doing? I'm all right, man. It's uh, I'm all right. You doing good? You yeah, enjoying? Yeah, I, uh... I, I did injure my back a little. You enjoying uh, being 39? Yeah, you know, that's the thing, is man. It's like um, every year on my birthday, I get like a back injury. Oh really? It's weird. Like, I think it was 35. I actually full on threw out my back. Like I was on the ground, had to go to the emergency room. Oh. It was, my, it was on my birthday. Jeez. And ever since then, like pretty much almost always, I get some kind of like a minor like flare up. I don't know. Like it makes you wonder, is it like that thing in the Lord of the Rings that, you know, after Frodo gets stabbed by, gets stabbed by the, the Nazgul that like every year, like the, the wound flames up. Yeah. Um, I think it's exactly what it is. And Nazgul and yeah. Yafai, they, they followed you to Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't and know. Canada to save I, you on a horse. And then she says, if you want him, come and claim him. And then she summons the water spirits. And... Such a good scene. I was, I, I will say, I watched the movie with my boys the other day. I thought, oh, this is going to blow their minds, man. Like, we're <laughs> now, Lord of the Rings is going to blow their minds. Like, I thought they were going to be, like, just in awe of, like, the Balrog. And all of a sudden, I didn't care. <laughs> Aw. Um, this week, we're talking about Seinfeld. One, because uh, it was just dropped on Netflix. And so I'm sure everyone is enjoying it. It is trending on Netflix, so it's it, it must be a lot of people like, watching it. It's like Squid Game and Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope the Zoomers are enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I guess we can expect a lot of think pieces in the coming days. Um, but we're going to talk about Seinfeld because it's might be the greatest sitcom ever written. I think it, in my opinion, I think it is. Yeah. And I think it's, in, I, I, I think it's also kind of like the, the end of, of, it's like the logic, like the end, like the telos, meaning like the, 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 the logistical, you know, as far as you can take it concept end yeah. of what a sitcom can be. And yeah, but, and you know what I, it's going to get so blasted, I think by the younger generation or by, by people from our generation too, for being so mean. But I think that it's always sunny. There was a, yeah, the, I love us. I love it's always sunny, dude. Um, but I think that, they had a policy, which was that, like, there's no hugging. Right. No no hugs and no lessons learned. Yeah. And that, I mean, where else do you go when you're doing a sitcom? I, I think about all the other shows we watch, and they always kind of ha- always have to have this sort of, like, emotional core to it, which I, I'm not opposed to. But the fact that Seinfeld never had an emotional core to it, like, it made it the most unforgettable show in history. Well, and what um, what I love about I remember my history teacher who was a big Seinfeld fan. Uh, I remember we would talk about Seinfeld sometimes in class, and I remember him saying how 
even Seinfeld, like Seinfeld was the only sitcom that never had like a very special episode. Yeah. It never had a serious moment that even when it dealt with death, it was funny. There might have been one. Uh, I didn't check it out. Um, I'm eager. To, I'm, I'm eager to check it. I will after this. But the one where I think is the season two finale where George and Kramer have a falling out, and Kramer, not George, uh, Jerry and Kramer have a falling out. Oh, and the Kramer one and, and 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 uh, and and Kramer heads off to Vegas or to, to L.A. L.A. Yeah, yeah. Because no, he it's, it's he asked for his keys back. Yeah. And apparently that's like about as emotional as it gets. <laughs> But I've never yeah. seen it, so I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Yeah. Have you seen it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Is it emotional? Like, is it like? No. Does it get no? <laughs> See? No. What What happens is what happens is that you know Kramer Kramer has a key to get access to Jerry's apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And and you open up with you have this montage of Kramer just walking in at inopportune times and Jerry <laughs> being like, "Come on, man!" And then he finally is like, "All right, I've had it. I have to have my key back." Yeah. And Kramer and him have a little bit like sort of a humorous, you know, like, oh, come on, give me a chance, whatever. And he gets the keys and then suddenly Kramer's gone. That's huh. it. Like it. And then they're like, he like, like the next thing is like Jerry like knocks on Kramer's door and there's no answer or whatever. And that's when he finds out that Kramer just like up and moved to L.A. Like it. There's never like a moment where you see Kramer like hurt and leave like he just, you know, there's never. Right. And then and then it, that leads into. Um, I guess when they start shopping the pilot, oh, okay, they end up going to LA and looking for him. But it, yeah, that's it, it, that is easily probably the closest to any kind of right because there's an attempt at reconciliation. They want to get Kramer back, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's sort of their search for Spock thing. <laughs> but he is sort of the uh, Spock of the show. Now that I think about yeah. it, yeah. But um, but it's not. Yeah, that never it never gets to. Well, and when you do that, all you're, really left, all you're really left doing is just jokes. And I miss that, Chuck. I don't think we – do we do that anymore? Just jokes? I mean, we, our, I mean, our TV shows are not modular anymore, with the exception of maybe Rick and Morty. But Rick and Morty tries so hard to, like, emotionally damage me in every single episode. I welcome that. I appreciate that. Yeah, but there are times that, where, like, that, I would just—I'd want a show that just that just brings the laughs, dude. Just make me laugh, please. Yeah, I do think it's fascinating that a number of, particularly the animated shows, like yeah. Rick and Morty or BoJack Horseman, like these are shows that are like they're there to like devastate people rather <laughs> than just make you laugh. They wear their hearts well, on I mean, their sleeves, you know. Yeah, I mean they are funny, right? I mean, Rick and Morty is hilarious, but yeah. it's also. Yeah, that that's a whole other conversation. That shows a whole other conversation. Right. But I mean, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And yeah, and I love it's always sunny and I think there's a reason why it's lasted for so long. It is just jokes. And it is Seinfeld. Yeah. It's, it's Seinfeld. It's a it is a far like grungier Seinfeld. And the cast have all said they're just going to keep making it. Like they don't <laughs> care. Like it's just fun. They they enjoy doing it because it's an opportunity for them to hang out and do things. So they're just going to keep going as long as they feel like it. And that's it's sort of fascinating, right? Because they are they are mean spirited people. And <laughs> it is it, it you know, but it, it it's the same concept of Seinfeld just sort of ramped up to a different level right. Right. of absurdity. It's it's probably more uh, more in line with like season eight, season nine of Seinfeld, where where absurdity like. Oh, yeah. You know, 
after that's Larry something David I noticed left. while watching these episodes. Like it, it gets a bit wackier. Yeah, and I got to be honest; those are my favorite. Eight and nine is my favorite seasons of Seinfeld. Really? Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I didn't realize until recently that that's that Larry David left after season seven, and hmm. I just think, I just I just love that borderline, you know, datist humor or dotist or whatever the word is, <laughs> you know, with, uh, I mean, come on, the Kenny Rogers roasters episode is hilarious. <laughs> um, the, I mean, where the ones that I remember just dying the most laughing in that time period is like the one where, um, Kramer doesn't trust medicine. And so he finds this dog that has the exact same cough he has, which by the way, hilarious to watch like a dog have a human cough. Yeah. And there's a sheep in you that's coughing like a person. And so he gets the veterinary, he gets the medicine for the dog and starts taking it for himself. And then he starts like acting, acting like a dog. dog. Like that yeah. to me is, I know some people don't like that, but. But that's, I mean, that's one of the great moments, right? Where like he refuses to take the medicine <laughs> and like Jerry's trying to feed it to him. <laughs> and he or starts like, jingling. Hey, want to go for a ride? He starts jingling yeah. the keys. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I get that the, the 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 wide corpus of Seinfeld as a show is accomplishing what the best of stand-up comedy does, which is to my my preaching my preaching professor in seminary had this great line talking about turning the crystal, yeah, meaning that you take something familiar but you try to look at it from a different angle, right? And this is like Patton Oswalt talks about something similar in comedy that comedy is taking the mundane but presenting it in a way that it looks that it looks absurd. Mm-hmm. And finding the absurdity in the everyday, and that's what I think. You know, Jerry Seinfeld does a great job of is, you know, we make the joke, "What's the deal with airplane food?" Right? That's the his first famous joke from the seventies. You know, yeah. what's the deal with airline food? But you know, he he does that. He you know, the, and the, him and Larry David, they both find humor and just kind of acknowledging the fact that the stuff that we do as people on a day to day basis is kind of borderline insane when you think about it. Right. That drudgery is funny. And that's what I think, and that's why I think Seinfeld achieves a telos of, of the situation comedy because our, it's our everyday situation. Right. I think what's really funny is that uh, watching some of these episodes, I, I had a, when I was in college, I had a group of friends that I called the film kids. And they were the ones who were a little bit further along than I was in the uh, in the department. and. They let me hang out with them, and I was always super proud of that. But they were also most of them were from like the Northeast, and they were like huge Seinfeld heads. I mean, like massive Seinfeld heads. And and every time we went out somewhere, we always found ourselves in some kind of situation that would be like in an episode of Seinfeld. And every time it happened, like they knew exactly what situation it was comparable to. Mm-hmm. And so, like now, whenever I watch Seinfeld and something happens, I'm like, I've had that happen. That's happened to us. We've we've did we've done that. I've been through that. The film kids, uh, and e- even like you can't do this and that. You can't do you can't do that. Like that 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 just that was just my life for like a, a whole year before they all graduated when I was a sophomore. Right, and you know, and it and them sort of exposing these unspoken social rules. Yeah, right, which makes it anarchic. Right. I mean, you know, people don't I don't think that people really appreciate the fact that there is a kind of a hate to say it's so cliche, but sort of like a punk rock element to Seinfeld in the sense that it challenges rules. Uh huh. There's some chaos to it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Larry David is a chaotic man. Yeah, he is. Um, I mean, he's a man who lives in a chaotic world who can't get it like straightened out. 
That's how I of, view it. Have, have you seen? Have you have you had the opportunity to see season seven of Curb Your Enthusiasm with the Seinfeld reunion? Not yet. No. Ah, oh, dude, I watched that recently. Yeah, I have to, I have uh, to watch it when I get back. Yeah. I also need to check out the. Uh, I also need to check out the. Um, the comedians with cars getting coffee episode with him and George, which uh, yeah. is effectively the last Seinfeld anything. <laughs> you think so? Well, I don't know. Did you read the uh, the the nine eleven episode? <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> which they didn't write. No, they didn't. It was it was a fan script, uh, oh but it gosh, circulated it was so good. I read it and I was dying laughing. Reading the guy who wrote it's it so did a great good. job. Um, and he actually apparently got like a bunch of deals after like gaining popularity. I sadly don't have it for the sake of this episode, but I, I did for my birthday get the Seinfeld Lego set. And yes. I've been in the process of building it with my kids, which is really funny because they have no reference for what this is. <laughs> uh, my, my son Ford was holding up the Jerry minifig who has a microphone. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's a singer. I'm like, no, he's not a singer. <laughs> um, he's a stand up comic. Well, what's that? It's a guy who just talks. Um, but um, we're building the, the – first of all, the apartment has amazing amounts of detail for a Lego set. It's incredible. Incredible. Nice. But I'm really looking forward to having fun with it when it's done. And I might try to do this on our, on our Instagram. I don't know. But come up with like plots or scenarios involving other Lego minifigs. <laughs> you know, like – That'd be funny. Well, it's like the one I told you I think would be funny would be to have like – you know, Newman is programmed battle droids to like deliver the mail for him. And so you just get like a bit where it's like, close the door. Roger, Roger. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. I'm sure there's a way um, you could put Newman. It's like a Jurassic park Lego set, right? Yeah. Because... <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh, there's a, one of the writers for cracked did a thing about the Lego set and he posted some photos of like, Dengar being a part of the bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we go, can I tell my quick story about the bet? Sure. So the bet is famous. It's like one of the famously best episodes. It won like a bunch of awards. I think it won uh, Emmy. I think Siphon won their, their Emmy that year for that episode. Um, so I, when I was in college, I was taking a, a writing for television class. And... Um, most of these like film classes after the film kids had left were like homeschool kids or kids with like very sheltered backgrounds. Film kids are not like that. Um, I mean, they grew up in Seinfeld for God's sakes. Um, so very sensitive, you know, went to PBA for a reason, right? You could have gone anywhere else. They went there for a reason. They, they're going to, they're going to take this writing for TV class so they can write, Sonic the Hedgehog or whatever. One of the one of the kids wanted to do that, by the way. Um, she had an idea for a Sonic the Hedgehog TV show, and that's why she took the class. Anyway, but so you know, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. I'm taking the class. I want to learn how to write comedy. And one other student, you you remember Nick, right? Nick Sammons. Yeah, yeah, he was there too. So he's also a big you know Seinfeld fan. And our teacher's like, we're gonna watch an episode of Seinfeld. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea of like how to do modular at, you know, modular TV writing. Um, and so as opposed to like serial TV writing and, uh, he fires the whole thing up and I was just like, Hey, what episode is it? And he goes, uh, the bet. <laughs> and I was like, 
the bat. <laughs> um, I looked over at Nick, and Nick just starts laughing. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, dude, just... should should we tell him? And he's like, I don't know, I I don't know. We both were just had like a like a moment of like just a crisis of conscience. Like, should we just like? It would be the, pretty funny if you just press play right now. We just watched it with everybody. And well, he was well, like, before you go on, we have to establish some context for some of our listeners here who may not fully understand <laughs> that Palm Beach Atlantic University is a fairly conservative, not like Liberty University conservative, but yeah, there's no pink or blue sidewalks. Christian, what? There's no pink or blue sidewalks. Yeah, yeah, not like Pensacola or Clearwater, right? It's it is it is a conservative evangelical Christian university yeah. that is largely populated by kids that grew up, like you said, homeschool, Christian high school. So the fact that they're even away at a college is yeah. like scary. Right. Right. Because they're not in the sheltered environment of their, uh, you know, and so the fact that they're in, well, I should say, at a school that has non-Christians in it, because PBA did not require you to be a Christian to attend the school. So, you know, I remember being there and being surprised even at some of the, you know, philosophy stuff that I was exposed to. I'm like, oh, wow, these kids have no idea what they're getting themselves into. You know, so the idea that you would have a teacher put on the bet. But here's the thing. He didn't know what it was about either. Oh, that's fantastic. That because when he better. put it in, I was like... You know what it's about, right? He's like, no, I just I'm just putting it because I want an Emmy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Nick, I think we need to stop this. As much as I would love to watch this right now in this setting, I feel like only bad things could happen. And I really like this teacher. I love see, and that's the thing. I loved that teacher because he actually let me do stuff. Other teachers, they didn't do that. He let me do Which whatever I want. He let me say whatever I want, write whatever I wanted. Even eventually got to direct whatever I want. Um, so like. I was just afraid that one of these, you know, homeschool kids are going to be like, he made me watch a show about masturbation, you know, like, <laughs> so it wasn't me like clutching my pearls. I just didn't want anything to happen to this guy <laughs> because stuff like that happened. And there was somebody in that class who was known for like reporting people like snitching on teachers and stuff. Anywho, uh, so that's that's my story about the bet, uh, and I and he did turn it off because I was like, hey, I don't think you should show it. It's it's about. Yeah. He's like, oh god, I think I'm so. Thank you for telling me because he wouldn't have shown it if he knew that. <laughs> oh, Which is funny because he was actually like a cool teacher. Like, if, I think if he if it was just like me and him, like maybe some other people who were kind of cool, he would have shown it. But like the fact that right. there are people in that class who were like, you know, gonna narc out. Yeah. But that's that's my that's my story about the vet. That's funny. Um, but Seinfeld for this episode, we decided to uh, watch the episodes concerning religion, and I'm so glad we did. Originally, we're, we're, I was going to choose like three episodes. He was going to choose three episodes, and they all had like a certain theme to them. I was going to do bottle episodes, and I found out there's only two bottle episodes, <laughs> and then there's the one subway episode, which is kind of not really a bottle episode, or whatever. Uh, also, didn't love the bottle episodes. I liked the Chinese restaurant one. The parking garage and the subway are, you know, they're funny. It made me laugh, but I didn't, I didn't love them. But when I watched your episodes, Chuck, the one you had chosen, especially the conversion and the bris, was dying <laughs> laughing. I was like, you know, let's just talk about these. Um, and I love the burning, and I do love the checks. So let's just, let's just make this about the religious episodes of Seinfeld. I shouldn't say yeah. religious episodes, but episodes pertaining to religion. Right. Yeah. Especially, I mean, 
you know, one of the suggestions you made is like favorite putty episodes. And I was like, my favorite putty episode is the one where he, they find out he's a Christian. <laughs> yeah. um, or you can see it from season nine or the fur jacket. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah. And I mean, honestly, like, like Keelan and I quote that movie, that episode to each other all the time. Like we frequently be like, whenever we're like t- talking about like food or something and we're like, I'm not sure what I want to eat. It's like make it an Arby's night. <laughs> you know, you're you brought off my Jesus fish. So <laughs> is that where Jesus fish came from, by the way? I think so. Because I, I heard Jesus fish from my film kid friends. That's where I, that was the first time I heard it referred to as a Jesus fish. So yeah, because I, I always heard it was, it was the ichthys. Yeah, right? I, I just I just environments the ichthys. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I think that I think I think that is the the Jesus fish probably did enter the vernacular through from that episode. Probably okay. So let's get into it. The first episode, yeah. uh, the conversion. Are we trying to go in like like air order or just whatever? Oh well, the order I have them in. Is the conversion, the bris, the checks, and um, the, burning. the burning? Okay, for some reason I thought the bris was earlier. Uh, I don't know. I it doesn't matter. Whatever. Whichever one, dude. Yeah, go for it. All right, let's talk about the conversion. The conversion is about George is dating a woman, and they're on a wonderful date. She's about to order the lobster, <laughs> and she just starts a bit bawling. Expensive, but you know what? He doesn't even pay doesn't even pay attention to the price for her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then she just starts bawling because it's over because of uh, their differences in religion. She is <laughs> she is of the faith of uh, the Latvian Orthodox Church. Latvian Orthodox. Which apparently the guy who wrote the episode didn't know that it was like a real faith. He thought that he had made it up. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> there really is Latvian Orthodoxy? Yeah. He thought that he had made it up on the spot. And then once they aired the episode, he got a bunch of letters from people from the Latvian Orthodox Church thanking him for bringing their church to the public consciousness. <laughs> That's fantastic. Because I thought it was just, you know, he, it was Orthodox, right? It's like some kind of, you know, because yeah. it, it helps to, by the way, this is a great episode that touches on the, the stuff that, that like can really only happen in a place like New York. Right. Where you yeah. have all these ethnic communities and like sort of niche ethnic communities. Like that's a proper phrase. I don't know. But, you know, like so it helps to understand a little bit about orthodoxy, right? That there is that orthodox Christianity is very tied to particular ethnic identities and nationalities. So you have your Greek Orthodox, you have your Ethiopian Orthodox, you have your Ukrainian Orthodox, you have um, there's the Antiochian Orthodox with that sort of has become more of a catch-all, but of course there's the Russian Orthodox. So like these are, this is a type, so they they have very similar theological backgrounds Mm -hmm. and liturgical backgrounds, but they are often very ethnically tied um, uh, to their their communities. And so it's funny, Latvian Orthodox, it just sort of seems like, it it seems like the sort of church it'd be like, yeah, that could exist. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that it actually does makes it funnier. Well, and, and, and so what happens is that she starts crying, that difference of faith, and then he decides that uh, she says they can't be together anymore because of the difference of religion, and then he decides that he's going to convert after talking to Jerry about it. And right. one of my favorite scenes is when he tells his parents that he's going to, that he's going to do it. And they're like, why are you doing it? For a woman! <laughs> <laughs> Which, that's like almost a perfect Frank Costanza utterance. Yeah. And you see, like, their relationship. Yeah. 
and I just I also just want to say that like his parents are my favorite characters in the show, like my favorite side characters, and because and I think that's just because yeah. George is my favorite character. Yeah, Frank um, Costanza, Ben, um, 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 uh, what's his Stiller, Jerry um, Stiller, Jerry Stiller. I was trying to remember his first name. Jerry Stiller, God rest his soul. Yeah, is one of the the greats, yes. and his delivery of his of his lines in every episode is just, I mean, just perfect. I know. And he, he's great as being like the grouchy father. And I'll never forget um, when, when Ben Stiller did, there's something about Mary. He showed up on Conan O'Brien uh, to promote it. And they were talking about, you know, the scene with the hair gel. Yeah. The hair gel. Yeah. And uh, I think Conan O'Brien, the, the, the clip probably exists out there on YouTube. Conan O'Brien was like, well, how would your father think about you now, knowing that, you, you you had done this and he's like oh i think he'd be okay so, oh really because he's here and jerry stiller comes out and he just looks like pissed he's like you think i appreciate that my son's doing that on the screen <laughs> and ben so just looks like he's like i'm sorry dad yeah it was a bit of course but like yeah it was very funny that's when i found out that jerry stiller was ben stiller's dad yeah oh really yeah Oh, Jerry Stiller's great. He's a comedian, great, just a comic, one of the great comics. Yeah. Um, Brilliant guy. Yeah. One of the greats. Uh, anyway, so like George decides to convert to the religion. And the moment where I thought like something was fishy, like maybe they thought that they were making this up or maybe this is fake, was the fact that he went, when he was talking to the father and the bishop, and he tells them like he has to read all of these texts and he gives them just like a stack of books. I'm like, okay, this is probably like a made up religion, right? That's when I looked it up. <laughs> And that's when I found out that, like, it says, I think it says on the Wikipedia page that, like, the guy thought that it was fake. <laughs> and it turns out to be real. So he wrote it as fake. Right. But, right. yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing is, is, you know, obviously being a theology nerd like I am and I and I and I'm like, I, I, I get really geeky about Orthodox Christianity because I find it very fascinating. Yeah. That, like. When 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 the priest when the priest hands him those stack of books, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's like the Philokalia. Like that's these are the <laughs> things that like because orthodoxy does involve like all these old books, and they're like, yeah, you, you need to know these things. That's funny. Um, so it was just sort of like, oh yeah, this guy, you know, he gets it a little bit. I mean, obviously, like I can look at the rituals and I can look at the vestments and I can say stuff like, eh, close enough. But that that bit that when he hands him the books, I'm like, okay, yeah, like that. That seems, and I can even remember being a young Christian watching this episode in Evangelical Christian and being like, I kind of want to be a part of religion that has old books. Yeah. Like, that seems like kind of cool. <laughs> so, like, weirdly, this episode probably had like an impact on me and why I'm an Episcopalian now. Because um, mm -hmm. I can, I don't know, I really relate to George when he's like getting the books and he's in the bathroom studying them. Because <laughs> it reminds me of my confirmation process, you know, because I was going to, you know, I was confirmed at Bethesda by the sea, right? This old musty church, right? Beautiful old Gothic church. And I'm like, you know, you know, reading books that are like, you know, old and mildewed to kind of understand right. what this stuff's all about. Um, yeah. And I, I love that and, scene. He's reading the bathroom trying to study and like his parents are pounding on the door. Like, what are you doing in there? Right. Which is funny too, because that, that happens after the episode where Estelle catches him. Oh, is it after I the think bet? So. I think so. That's funny. <laughs> well, it, and while this is happening, of course, because uh, Kramer took George yes. to the church or gave him a ride. And so while he's there, Kramer meets 
Sister Roberta, who is the, uh, a novice. She's uh, on the no- process of becoming a nun. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, I thought, like, she, it's really weird. Like, she gives him a slinky, <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, she's into me. Um, I don't know what it is with the toys. For some reason, I thought it was the episode where, like, she thought that he was, like, you know, mentally disabled or something. <laughs> oh, that's a good episode. And he was, like, mistaking her for, like, signals. But I guess not, because she actually was falling in love with him because he's a Kavorka. <laughs> Kavorka. <laughs> but yeah, like he he uh, the 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 nun is falling in love with, or I guess the novice is falling in love with Kramer, and he goes to the priest and tells him like I have this horrible problem. Like it's just this there's something in me and it just ruins women. <laughs> Right, which is which is a theme that's picked up in another episode I almost considered for this one, which is the one where Elaine is branded the shiksa, oh, okay. the Gentile woman that leads Jewish men astray. Is that when you first uh, meet that that one rabbi? Who <laughs> uh, that rabbi showed up a few times in yeah. the show before then, but yeah, okay. when he starts like hitting on Elaine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, um, that's like I said. There was another episode I considered putting on the list, but um, I didn't. Um, Would you like a snack? Well. Even though they say fat-free, people forget that it's still very high in calories. I was another episode, getting back to Jerry Stiller real quick, uh, another episode that I did watch in the spirit of these is the one where Kramer um, hosts a Jewish singles night Okay. at the Knights of Columbus. So George's parents are Catholic. They don't make a big deal out of that in the show, but that's the deal, right, is George is is depicted as Catholic (laughs) And Jerry is Jewish and yeah. that's, you know, kind of part of the, you know, the backgrounds of their relationships. And just as an aside, I think one of the beauty th- beautiful things about Seinfeld is the way that it can show the similarities between Catholics, Catholic families and Jewish families and, you know, what, what their experiences are. But, um, but, uh, that, that, but that's an episode where it deals with, uh, Frank had been like a cook in the Korean war and it and inadvertently caused like everybody to come out with like dysentery or something. And so he's super traumatized around cooking. Um, yeah. didn't have as much religious content, but if you're a fan of Jewish food, there's a lot of great references to Jewish food. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't, you didn't choose the Festivus episode. Cause that, that, Oh, you know, dude, I didn't even think of it till right now. That might've been a good one because yeah. of its commentary on religion. Maybe when Christmas rolls around, we'll talk about Festivus. The uh, the Lego festivus. set comes with the Lego set comes with a festivus pole. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but yeah, the conversion hilarious episode. Uh, my favorite quote. I, I wrote down my favorite quotes from each from each episode. Um, which this one is uh, when George when they ask George what his favorite thing is about the Latvian faith, like what is what is drawing him to it. He says uh, the hats. It says the hat conveys that solemn religious look you want in a faith. <laughs> and the thing is, is they're they're wearing accurate Orthodox monastic headgear when he says that because that you guy the guy you called a bishop next to him is actually a monk. Oh, okay, All right. and yeah, and that and that headgear is the headgear of Orthodox, like particularly like, um, well, some bishops, are, I take it back. Some bishops do wear those because the, 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 in the Orthodox tradition, bishops are monks. Um, I see. priests can be married, but the bishops are monks. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's like a higher monk, a here monk, whatever the term is. Like it's that, that habit that they're wearing. Um, 
which is very distinctive of the of the orthodox world so i think it's great that they pointed out the the hats yeah i have another quote here um it's when they're asking george like why he's converting his parents and his dad asks him is this the group that goes around mutilating squirrels <laughs> um do we want to just talk so. about just the religious the religious parts of these episodes or do we want to talk about like other a plot b plot you, you do what you you do what you want to do, man. I think like it'll probably go a whole lot faster if we just talk about the the religious angles of the yeah. episodes. So we won't talk about yeah, yeah, like yeah. the podiatrist subplot. Oh yeah, that's lame. Yeah, kind of um, lame anyway. Okay, so then that that's that's the conversion. Um, right. Well, we we, we we forget about Kramer. We didn't even talk about Kramer and the fact that the that the the resolution to him is that he has to bathe in filth. Yeah, they make him wear like garlic, like like garlic and peppers and he's like bathing in vinegar yeah and she comes to him with another toy <laughs> he's like oh what have i done you need to bathe yeah and what does she like walk up to like a random woman after he's been bathed yeah. in that crap and she tells him to get lost creep yes he's like, still got it <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's a great it's a great Kramer moment, of course. Well, and, this, the, and that's a good episode that that kind of deals with an aspect. I mentioned to you in a text we were talking about this that you know shows the development of Kramer as a character that I think is interesting because you know if you watch the first early episodes of of, of Seinfeld, you know Kramer was initially conceived of as like a as Kenny Kramer. Actually, Kenny Kessel was his name. He was supposed to be uh, Jewish, and they uh, someone at NBC or made a comment that it was just a little too ethnic or too Jewish, I shouldn't say ethnic, but like too Jewish. Really? And, and they kind of agreed that, you know, they didn't want it to be too much. Like kind of anti-Semitic in a way. Yeah. But I think it was more like they're trying to make a show that appeals to the general population. And I think they were a little concerned that it was too New York. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, and, uh, and so they, they, they rebranded, um, you know, Kramer and later revealed his name to be Cosmo. I and, love Kramer because he is so like vaudevillian. Yes, like he's, he's he has a Marx character. Brothers quality to him, and I think that's why he appealed so much to like to that generation because that's definitely the kind of humor, part of the humor they grew up with, that sort of slapsticky. Yeah. Well, and I just and my thing about him is I just he's a, a character to me that's kind of similar in in some ways is the character of Jay Peterman. Um, <laughs> yeah. What I love about Peterman is I just love that he always finds himself on an adventure. Yeah. Like I love that episode with him and George when his mom dies, the whole Bosco episode. Like that's a great, where he's like, "Come, George, my mother is at death's door." And so it's just like the whole way that that's done. <laughs> but there's something about Kramer too, the similar character in that everything he does, like he doesn't have a job, yeah, but he somehow has money, and he just sort of find, kind of regularly finds himself occupying this world that you don't see. Like what I love, I guess, what I like about character is what I like about Kramer is kind of like Elaine. You get the sense that he has a life that's happening off camera. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it leaches into the story every now and then. Cause all these references to Bob Sacamato, you never see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I just love that. I love that Kramer kind of gives a hint that there's a bigger world out there and it's, you know, it's the weird the weirder parts of New York. Yeah. It's something the kind of character who like, you don't know unless you live in New York. Right. Like if like, you're a tourist I, going I to never, New York, you wouldn't meet this person. Yeah. Yeah, like when I've gone to New York just like to visit stuff, right? It's a different experience. I, I, but I've had friends that have lived there, and we've and Ken and I've stayed there with them. And you know, you you do see, you do see like 
you know, off the main, you know, off the, you know, off Broadway people, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I, I he's definitely an, all, an all-timer. Uh, did you have uh, the Kramer? Or did you? Or did we talk I, about getting the Kramer? I, I do. I am an owner of the Kramer. Nice. It is currently residing in my mother's garage. <laughs> my, my wife has forbidden it from being hung in our home. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's too bad. Uh, how come we didn't hang it up in our apartment? I didn't have it yet. Oh, okay. It All was right. bequeathed to me later on by my uncle Bill, who had it in his garage, and he. I think. I think as I graduated college is when he bequeathed it to me. I see. Okay. Um, anyway, the writer of the episode is Bruce uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Kirschbaum, and he's the one that thought that he had created a fictional religion and didn't know that Latvian Orthodox was a real religion. All right. It's, uh, turned out to be a great episode. Actually, I think out of all this, I don't know. The Briss, we'll talk about it later. Briss is pretty good. So the next one is The Briss. Um, another, another great Kramer episode. Um, yeah. This is great because in a lot this, of ways because this is also with the pig boy, yeah, the pig man, the pig man. This is great because so this is the episode where uh, uh, Jerry and Elaine become the godparents, right? Or is yeah. or did or is does Jerry become the godfather? They become the godparents. Yeah, right? he, Jerry becomes the godfather and he makes these horrible Brando impersonations. Right. <laughs> um, and what, but the obligation is that. He and Elaine. Yeah, they're both godparents. That's right. They're both godparents. And the obligation for them is to host the Briss. They have to find a moil. And they have to find a moil. And it's great because they said that, like, (laughs) once they're, like, once they're, like, knee deep into this, they're like, we're not even that close friends. Like, (laughs) we we were at this one softball game and, like. Uh, they said he they were level jumping on the friendship. That's one of those kind of unwritten rules. You can't <laughs> level jump or friendship. They're level jumping. It's one of those Larry Davis. And they're of course saying this. They're saying this like at the party as they're yeah. waiting for the moil to arrive, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> so they have to find that- a moil, and they're at the hospital. And Kramer, that's where Kramer sees the pig man. Well, he does it because he he miss he he can't find the room. For this, for this, for them, to, for him to visit this baby that's been that's been born, right? And of course, we get the whole B plot with George admiring his parking space, and which, this guy commits suicide. <laughs> it crushes his car, which is one of those. This is such a Larry David episode. It's great because like they they play it up real big. The fact that like George found this primo parking space, yeah, like he's always bragging about it. Like and that's and like every time I find a good parking space, I always think about like, hey. Check out the parking space. Check out the parking job down there. <laughs> you know? Um, but, like, yeah, the mental patient jumps off the roof and lands on the The mental George's. patient, by the way, that Kramer was like, oh, yeah, there's the elevator. He, like, <laughs> yeah, helped him right. get to the roof. <laughs> so he jumps off the roof, lands on George's car. Um, and then Kramer sees what he thinks to be, believe, a pig man. And he freaks out about it. And he just goes into this whole, he has this whole, like, paranoid episode over it. Over right. like DNA testing or whatever. Yeah, Kramer gets, and this is an interesting episode because this gets you a really insight into Kramer. Because not only does he believe in sort of like medical conspiracies, he is also vociferously anti-circumcision. <laughs> That's um, it's so great because it's like it, it. It's I mean, this episode probably had to come out like early '90s, right? Yeah, there are. I have read through Reddit threads. 
that are about as impassioned as Kramer is in this episode. Oh, dude. I, you know, this was actually not an issue that I really paid much attention to until the conversation came up with my kids. Really? And like, Kana is like looking at mommy boards and like parenting boards, and she's like, oh my gosh, this is like a hot button issue, right? Because that's when I learned about the phrase um, male genital mutilation, MGM, <laughs> to refer to it. And like, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, I've seen I've seen the debates. People get heated, man. It's it's like a big it's a big issue for people. I've I've read threads of men mourning their foreskin. Yeah. Yeah. Um and, and like Kramer is definitely one of those which leads me to think like would I mean this episode led me to think would Kramer have been an anti-vaxer? Oh, totally. But not like militant. I don't see Kramer marching in the parades. I see Kramer just sort of like taking it for granted. I see, I, I see him like going as long as possible without getting vaccinated and they somehow trick him to it and they're like, you yeah, yeah. He would, yeah, he would have like schemes to avoid the vaccination. <laughs> he, he definitely would have been taking like ivermectin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He Kramer definitely would have already like... taken hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and... <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, the fact that he like kidnaps the baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the, uh, the, the whole bris scene is like wall-to-wall brilliant comedy writing. The, the Moyle, my the, gosh, the Moyle. The Moyle might be one of the best characters, like just one-and-done characters from like the entire series. Um, yeah, because he's, he's the, up there with the like library detective. <laughs> yeah. Because um, he's just like on the verge of having a heart attack like at, like every second he's, he's on screen. He's the last guy that you want near a baby's foreskin <laughs> yes right who's doing a sensitive cutting operation uh the and, and like the, the part where he circumcised jerry's finger and then george faints yeah like i've never related more to george in my life because i i'm like i'm totally that kind of person like and we've talked about this on this podcast where like i love gory movies but like every time i see blood in real life i just like I get queasy yeah, well, and it's and it, of course added to the fact that George tried to flirt with that woman. It's like, oh, this can get a little if you need, and she's like a cardiologist. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, that's also the part where, <laughs> where Kramer grabs the baby and tries to protect it from the moil. <laughs> he's like falling all over the couch. Um, yeah, and just as an aside too, we, get, we do get a great in the B plot. I just have to say, I love George's conversation with the hospital administrator. Yeah. Oh yeah, where he tries to get, to get her to car. Pay for the car. <laughs> I mean, he has a he has a good point. He does have a fair point. He that is uh, is that sort of like a because it's been a long time since I watched the series all the way through. But is that like a recurring joke where he like over like explains things like and from like very technical details because he did that he does that in the Chinese restaurant episode that I watch where he talks about how. He was making out with a girl, then he realized he had to like use the bathroom and had to leave. But the way he explains it is just like so like technical, like the same way. He's... Yes, yes, good. That's Larry David, right? Yeah. Because remember, George is George is based on Larry David. I knew that. Yeah. Um. And so, oh yeah. I mean, just think about any Curb Your Enthusiasm episode you've watched. It's exactly <laughs> the fact that, as you mentioned, that you've read Reddit threads about this topic, yeah. right? And of course, because it's a religious thing, it's a religious hot button issue, right? And Kramer goes to the whole thing about tradition and, you know, like we don't sacrifice people to the sun God and 
all that kind of stuff. What is it, Jerry's like, well, maybe we should. Um, <laughs> well, but, yeah, and George is like, isn't there like a, a, a hygiene issue? And he's like, no, it's a myth. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he yeah. brings up all the but exact same points that, everyone else brings up. Right, but it's, so it's amazing how kind of, I mean, it's ahead of its time? A little I don't bit. know if it's ahead of its time, but maybe. I don't know. It's just interesting that you know this it, it dealt with a fairly hot-button religious and cultural issue. But the fact that it's through Kramer, there's like – it just – that means like you should not take it seriously at all. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I have uh, – well, and then there's also – I love the they, – they go back to the hospital to find the pig man, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no, because George – because – Jerry had to go to the hospital because his finger got circumcised. Yeah. And then they find the pig man and you see Kramer walking off with him on his back. <laughs> it just turns out it was a dude with like a, an ugly man with a breathing problem or whatever. Yeah, just a, a very short man with a breathing problem. Mental issue. Mental, Mental issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, he stole a, and he stole, whose car does he steal? Jerry's. Yeah, he steals Jerry's car and he drives yeah. off with him. Yeah. Um, but I have a George quote for this one. Uh, I'll tell you something. I wish there were pigmen. You get a few of these pigmen walking around. Suddenly, I'm looking a lot better. That way, if someone wanted to fix me up, they could say, hey, at least he's no pigman. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say about the bris? Um, nah. Uh, the next one was uh, the checks. Yeah, this one's mildly religious. Yeah, like really, really, <laughs> but it is it is great because it is the, the the religious part does sort of center around George. Once again, right? Which, right? Which the, 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 one of the things I realized, the, the, you know, when we were still going to just do three episodes, and I real and I thought about the conversion, the checks, and the burning. Yeah. Um, the, the, those are the episode titles, in case you don't know that, listeners. Um, I realize there's a through line in all of those with George showing a sensitivity and interest in religion. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and it kind of makes me think a little bit about, you know, you could probably concoct a whole thing about George is actually like seeking something if you want to like get lame about it. Oh, I think so. Totally. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think yeah, it this speaks is... to, I mean, it's a few things. I think one, it's his ego. Right. Um, two, he is sort of like an aimless person in a way he yeah. never really have has like long-term goals. He, he's just going from one job to the next. He just kind of falls into all of them in a way. Right. But not like how Kramer does. They're not, they're not like get rich schemes. He's just trying to find, like he is just a guy lost in life. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, yeah, and his, interesting and interesting that for a show about nothing that they would regularly have, this profoundly lost character yeah demonstrating like a religious you know it's kind of like that billy graham quote that you know there's there's a god-shaped hole uh -huh. you know um it sort of applies to george though and you kind of see it with him because like this is the episode where there's a cleaning company and he's warned that they're a cult yeah Kramer tells so, they're a cult. <laughs> yeah and so he's just like eh, i can listen to a spiel and then he gets mad when they don't yeah and so they're basically like, what, what do I got? You know, like what, what, what's wrong with me that the cult doesn't want me? <laughs> yeah. And he tries to hook them up again, right? The cleaning company comes into his office. Yeah. And they end up converting his boss. Yeah. <laughs> Tanya. My name is Tanya. Tanya. 
The world is carpeted and we will clean it. <laughs> uh, and of course, that deals with, you know, the, the main plot of that episode, though, is is one of my favorite. This is one of my absolute favorite episodes of Seinfeld, you know, because I'm a weeabo. Yeah. And dealing with the Japanese tourists. And we get to see data from Goonies. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, uh, you know, this is where they, they, they figure out that there's a possible audience for Jerry's sitcom in Japan. And so they try to shop it. I love, I love the Yankees broadcasting, like the, is it the Nishikawa broadcast company with the Japanese executives that have like office space at, uh, I think it was the Nagasaki broadcasting corporation, right? Yeah, whatever. But yeah, they, those, the, but like, I love those two, the two Japanese network executives. Yeah. <laughs> because this is another great thing about Seinfeld. I know one of the hot takes without a doubt that you're going to see is people talking about the fact that it's set in New York, but it follows around for white people. Right. And that, you know, cause I've already seen commentary about the role that minorities and other people play in Seinfeld as background, right? And this criticism of them being sort of the background. But I think, but one of the things that I read years ago or a little over a year ago, or whatever about this was that what you do find though, is that in general, when minority characters show up in Seinfeld, their attitude is just sort of bewilderment of like, <laughs> is this really how you live your life? Yeah. And that they're sort of depicted as people who have it together. Right. So you can kind of almost see it as like the way the minor way a minority community looks at like mainstream American culture is just like this is this is what you think is the best thing in the world. The, um, is it just my imagination or do they always seem to get along better with Kramer? Yeah. But I love this episode too, because I love that the Japanese executives are just like just especially the the man um, <laughs> who's just like, get out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that like Kramer just says that like oranges are exotic to Japanese people. And so they bring them a sack of oranges. And they're like, why do they right, bring you know why that you know why that's funny? Why? Because if you ever eat at a Chinese restaurant, yeah. they always give you oranges with your check. Okay. Right. So that has led people to believe that oranges are like special in Asian culture and that that's why they give them to you. Like there's this whole thing about, cause um, Jim Gaffigan makes comments about it in one of his stand-up specials. But like that's, that's, there's this myth that oranges are exotic. <laughs> Ignorant of the fact that oranges come from China. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, right. There's already, a, there's already like the fact that they're confusing Japanese with Chinese, which is funny. Yeah. And, and that's why I love the guys like, why do they keep bringing us these oranges? <laughs> Because, like, orange stuff is, like, you know, it's it's common in Japanese cuisine, right? Like, you know, yeah. even why you see it, you know. Orange it's just chicken. so it's funny that, yeah, well, that's not Japanese. But <laughs> that's true. I had orange pork um, in China. But it is funny that it is. So it's funny that, like, it, it, it's sort of reflecting that they're assuming, like, New York Chinese yeah. is, like, universally Asian. <laughs> right. Their own, And it's their own misconception about about it that, 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 that feeds into it. Um, and then of course the other religious piece in this episode though, the religious experience that Elaine's boyfriend gets whenever he hears Desperado. Oh, right. Uh, what was his name? Brett? Was it Brett? 
think it was um, who's uh, obsessed with Carl Fargus. Yeah. The furniture designer. And, and uh, keeps running into Jerry the most inopportune times where it looks like Jerry's just like struggling financially. <laughs> so great. <laughs> I love that throughout the show, there are these references to like Jerry's comedy, you know, being like up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that's what he sees the checks for 12 cents. <laughs> Um, and that's, uh, this is also, I, and it's also one of my favorite moments where you, where the whole umbrella subplot, I love that. Yeah. Like 15 years ago, he used to sell umbrellas. So like he sees this guy twisting. It's like, I invented that. <laughs> I invented the twirl. Did, you it was, get uh, the great Jim Padillac. Great, what? Jim Padillac. Right. Something like that. Yeah. You get the, uh, you get the great George line. I don't want anybody buys an umbrella get them for free at every coffee shop. They're in those metal cans. <laughs> yeah. That was my George line that I have for this episode. <laughs> He's just stealing umbrellas. <laughs> he said, and I will say, those are other people's. I did not get that joke until I lived in DC. Really? Yeah. Cause in Florida, nobody cares. I don't know. Like I, I don't remember in Florida there ever being like umbrella cans in like, diners and stuff but when i went to dc they had coat racks and they had the umbrella cans in like so many restaurants and in diners and stuff that i was like oh that's the joke yeah like they're ubiquitous that's funny well maybe the uh poncho craze just reached florida and (laughs) it just never it never stopped the poncho craze in 1984 (laughs) where were you now we got (laughs) to contend with this urban sombrero And I love that I you love see the guy great, with the urban sombrero. It's a great gag. It's just real quick, just to see yeah. the guy with the urban sombrero, which is just a great recurring gag throughout the show because of <laughs> this is great. Yeah, it's great Peterman product. Um, but it is a. I mean, this is what we're talking about. How they kind of get the it gets wackier once Larry David leaves. This is a very wacky episode. It is a wacky episode uh, because I, I mean, when it, when it ends with you know Jerry having to use an axe to get the Japanese guys out of the <laughs> the oversized yeah. drawers, the yeah, <laughs> oversized dresser. which is also good. That's also a good bit too. I, I just remember I used to, I laughed hard when I first saw this episode when it, like I initially broadcast yeah. uh, when the one guy is just like, oh, come back in half hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch how funny it was until. Uh, until I watched it this time around where Kramer is giving him Rice Krispies and he's like, East, East meets what's Jerry? I was like, oh, because it's rice. That's funny. Because <laughs> they're <laughs> Japanese and you're rice. So I got I got rice cereal. Here you go. East meets West. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, cool. And, and of course, I mean, what what, what is it about? Uh, I, st- I, do, I do think that is a classic of Brett having his religious experience during Desperado. Uh, and then Lane wants to have her song too, and she tries using "Witchy Woman." Witchy woman. <laughs> and then it turns out the surgeon at the end. Yeah, that's his song. He zones out when he should be operating on on Brett. Yeah. Oh, dude, um, I don't know what it is, but I I died laughing when like his head hit the counter, like <laughs> just bam. <laughs> So I had a the, the thing about this episode is I had a friend in high school who like loved Desperado, really, and it's sort of these two episodes sort of corresponded with that revelation. It wasn't one leading to the other. Yeah, and I I hate the Eagles. <laughs> You're like the dude. And when he would play that song in my car, I'd be like, oh god, 
I'm not listening to this song. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Johnny Cash did a cover it when he did the uh, the Nine Inch Nails cover. Yeah, um, he doesn't really do it any favors. No, no, it's not, not a even good song. Not even Johnny Cash could save that one. Yeah, Don Henley. What? Isn't it? It's Don Henley. Oh yeah, Don Henley. Yeah. Boys of the Summer is good though. I like that song. That is a good song. That is. I'll give. I'll give. Don, I'll give old Don that one. Yeah. All right. So then let's let's move on to uh, the burning. The burning. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's it's one of my all time favorite George quotes. Uh, I like Christian rock. It's very positive. It's not like those real musicians who think they're so cool and hip. <laughs> real musicians is my favorite part of that line. Yeah. I of do. Course. I also really I love I, the, the the secondary quote he gives later about like these hip musicians and their complicated shoes, and I'm like, ah, Kanye West, <laughs> he has complicated shoes. Yeah, I think I, this. I think he also says that like you don't hear enough about God these days. Yeah. Or George says that. Because this is another one of those examples we were talking about that he's actually kind of interested in religion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he defends the whole – yeah, he's like, you don't hear much God about these days. That's what he says. You know, I like Christian rock. It's positive. You get the sense that he puts it on and listens to it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is the episode where we find out that Putty is a Christian. And this is, of course, classic Hollywood conflation of multiple types of Christianity. Yeah. Right? So this idea – because Putty is clearly an evangelical Christian. Right. Um, he definitely went to like but, some – some conference probably, right? Like I'm thinking he went yeah, to some he, Billy Graham revival. Keepers. Huh? Yeah, he went to Promise Keepers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he became a man on fire for God. Right. Um, and then, of course, but he didn't get enough proper discipleship because he thinks it's totally fine for Elaine to do all the sinning on his behalf. <laughs> She's so basically funny. like the Shabbos Goyim of, a, of an evangelical Christian. No, you can steal that paper. You're the one going to hell. <laughs> You're the one going to hell. I... What do you care? You know where you're going. <laughs> I love Patrick Warburton so much. He Putty is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, definitely one of my faves. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, just the episode where he gets like the fur jacket is the fur coat <laughs> is incredible. And then he gets the eight ball coat, which makes which makes an appearance. Eight ball jacket in this episode. Yep, eight ball jacket makes an appearance in this episode. Uh, where one of my favorite bits is the the establishing shot of the church that Elaine takes him to to have their meeting yeah. is a Lutheran church. Because if you read the sign, it says like Metropolitan Lutheran Church, and then you get inside and it's a Catholic priest. Yeah, I noticed Ostensibly. that. Ostensibly, um, I, I you know judging based off the artwork and stuff on the wall, they've set it up to look like a, the pre, the office of a Catholic priest, and he doesn't wear a wedding ring, so and they never call him pastor, so he's not a Lutheran. Um, to a good collapsing of a whole bunch of, you know, um, this, by the way, JP, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. I have an idea. I'm going to put it on the podcast so that people can hear my idea. But my idea is because this makes me think of it. I, it bugs me when I, I always bugs me when I watch popular things, TV movies, and they get Christianity wrong. Like, Uh I don't care about the message. I'm talking about like just the aesthetics. You're trying to show evangelical Christian and you start putting crucifixes in it and it just doesn't work. So. I've, I want to create a consulting agency for Hollywood. Like, pay me to look at your script or look at your storyboards or something and give you some pointers on like, oh, if you're going to have an Orthodox priest, like this is what you need to have them. You know, this is what they need to wear. Or this is what they need to. I, I, I think I got something. I think that'd be cool. I think that could work. I mean, you'd have to. 
protect your work so that like costume designers don't use it, you know, and once they kind of get privy to what they're supposed to wear, you know, you're out of the job. But I mean, that is supposed to be like their job. They're supposed to research this stuff. Yeah, because I just see I see stuff so often, like like Family Guy, for instance. There's an episode in like first season Family Guy where it involves um, it involves priests trying to kidnap Stewie or something. I can't remember, but they the the way they get the stoles wrong of the way the priests are dressed has always bugged me. <laughs> and it's just like little things like that. Like I would just love to be like, here, let me just give you some pointers on this is yeah. How you do it anyway. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's ripe territory for comedy. Like the fact that nobody, I mean, can you imagine if someone's like, Chuck, I'm writing a evangelical pastor. Like what should they wear? Would you just be like, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, are we talking young? Are we talking young? Cause young means he's going to have the horizontal stripe on his polo. All right. Yeah. Frosted tips, perhaps. Frosted. Uh, they're okay. going to have but lots though, of bracelets. Nowadays though, nowadays though, you got to go like, you got to go like, you know, we're talking like Gucci, right? We're talking yeah. like these like pants with like the low crotch, all tight, with like expensive sneakers. Yeah, exactly. I'd have to partner up with that preachers and sneakers guy. Yeah, I think he would probably have a good, some good, uh, some good pointers on some of that. But yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, there's just no, little I, things you could do to like a uh, like a to a pastor, like you know. Like they they probably see pictures of pastors and just see them in suits and you're like, well, that's not very differentiated. That's not communicating much on screen. But like, oh no 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 no, you're missing on the little nuances. You know, you're missing right. like the glasses or the way they style their hair. You know, mm-hmm. is, is it big hair? Because that's that's a televangelist. Right, right. You got to get these things right. You know, and when you do, your audience when you're when you when you do your research, your audience recognizes it and appreciates it. Yeah, totally. Um, so that's why I like the show Rev. Which is a, a Which show? BBC or a Rev. It's an old. It's an English uh, comedy about an Anglican priest in like just a busted slum parish. Okay. And every Episcopal priest I know, who or Anglican priest that I know who's watched it, has been like, "This show's too real." <laughs> like it's just too real. Nice. Um, in fact, one guy, Justin Lewis Anthony, um, who's a Anglican priest. Um, He's written some books and stuff. He said he were, he used to work at Virginia Seminary, and he said, "I don't watch this because it's like I don't need to watch my my life on TV. <laughs> like it's just that realistic." Um, wow. Anyway, sorry, that was just a that's my little aside. But this is an episode where we deal with uh, Elaine's eternal destiny. Right. We've never really gotten a sense of what Elaine's is. He is she supposed to be Catholic? I don't. I don't know. Actually, I really don't know. I don't know that she is was it, brought up religious. Because they, they establish that she's not – they definitely establish that she's not Jewish, which is fascinating because Jewy Louis Dreyfus is Jewish. Yeah. Um, but she's not depicted as – Elaine Bennis, right, is not depicted as Jewish. Not that I know of. Uh, she is regularly referred to – I know Jerry makes a comment in one of these episodes. Is it the Brist, the one where he makes the comment about she was raised with like – Horses and yeah, I think that I I believe I was watching. I think that's the Chinese restaurant because they talked about how she was like going to all of the finishing schools on the Eastern Seaboard with debutante balls and horses and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it probably Uh, came from like you know like a kind of like a like a liberal academic 
so you waspy know, elite background maybe waspy you know, maybe maybe her family was like episcopalian or presbyterian or something but never really went to church probably yeah um but yeah, I just, she, you know, we, there is that one great episode of Seinfeld, one of my favorites, where um, she dates that guy that she thinks might be black, like a light-skinned black dude. I don't think I've seen that one. That one's a classic, dude. Yeah. Because they deal with the fact that her name is Bennis and he thinks she's Hispanic. Anyway. I wonder if we can no. Google this. I'm going to try. What, Elaine's religion? Yeah. According to Wikipedia, never confirmed. Never confirmed. Okay. Yeah, because we know she's not a Jew because the whole, the whole shicks appeal. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely not Jewish. <laughs> but she is concerned, even though she doesn't believe in it, she is concerned that Putty is not concerned about right. her eternal... Do- her, her you eternal should be do- trying to save me, she says. Yeah. Um, shows it. So Putty is a Christian, but he's a bad Christian. Yeah, and it, which is great because he, they when they get to that priest's office and he says, well, sometimes interfaith marriages have their problems. I'm like, oh, no, 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 we're not married. We're just... <laughs> oh. uh, having a good time <laughs> oh you're both going to hell <laughs> that's, that's record, what i love no christian actually believes that well some christians believe that i don't and i don't know of any priest who would, or minister who would ever actually say that to someone but uh. well it's great because putty's reaction was like that's bogus <laughs> it's bogus man <laughs> and elaine is just like all right <laughs> though she says it's okay it'll only feel like an eternity and that's when they both go, there. <laughs> Great moment in the show. Yeah. Elaine and a priest. <laughs> and wasn't it just a few episodes before where Putty was wearing, like, devil makeup because he's going to the hockey game? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he scared the crap out of somebody who was driving. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot who that's... it was. Yeah. I, I, I just watched it not too long ago. Um. That was one of those ones when I watched it recently, back when it was still on Hulu. I was like, I don't remember ever seeing this episode. Yeah. Um, but it gets some good in, some depth into Putty and the whole thing about like, can she date a sports fanatic? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I, I, I mean, I think like you know, just these these episodes, you know, raise some interesting things about. You know, it's a show about nothing, right? Which would ostensibly make it a nihilistic show. Somewhat, yeah. But there is, even though the characters themselves don't seem to really ever, you know, they're very kind of nihilistic, you know, as presented on screen most of the time. We can see that there's more to them, though. Like George Mm -hmm. has curiosity with faith. And Kramer has deep convictions. Yeah. You know, aside, cause I, I mean, we joked about, I mean, I made a comment on being communist, but there's that great episode where you find out he is a communist. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and obviously you know, the, the, he, he's been on strike for like 20 years from the bagel shop. I forgot about that. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so Kramer is actually a person of deep conviction. Um, George is a curious, you know, he's, he's lost, but looking for something. Really, I guess when it comes down to it, the core of Elaine and Jerry are the ones that are... Well, Elaine clearly wants love. Yeah. That's the thing you see about Elaine. She wants love, right? Because that same... She makes that one episode... Or makes that one comment in that in one of the episodes we watch where she says that she's dated pretty much everybody in the city. She's running out of options. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and Jerry is the one who's just sort of nothing. <laughs> Jerry's just, I mean, I, I think that's why he and Kramer get along so well. I think that they're both similar in a way and that they sort of live in the moment. Um, yeah. I think because Kramer even says that in one of the episodes I was watching, because I, I was doing bottle episodes, and on one episode I was watching was the the parking garage, and George was just like, you know, how do you do it? Like, how do you like just not care about anything? <laughs> and Kramer's like, you just live day to day, man. Not worry about anything. So I mean, that's uh, just who he is. Like, he's just a guy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't he doesn't want to be held down by a job. He doesn't want to be. Um, he's free, man. Yeah. Just. Lives, lives life. Uh, he, you know, he's you know, Tyler what? Durden, Tyler Durden, or I was going to say the he dude because he dresses like how he wants to dress. And, yeah. you know, I say he, he, he abides, right? He abides. That's right. Dudeism, Kramerism. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Jerry, I mean, I think one of the brilliant things about Seinfeld as a show is the fact that Jerry allows himself to be the straight man in his own sitcom. Yeah. Right. It's it's kind of weird when he starts being wacky, right? Yeah. It's a little jarring. Yeah. Though the, the one where I think he's real, that works where he's wacky is the one where he shaves his entire body. Yeah. (laughs) And it becomes a Wolfman spoof. That's funny. (laughs) Um, I I love that because that's one of my favorite moments when, uh, Kramer keeps telling him that if you keep shaving, it's going to come back fuller. And he's like, no, that's a myth. And then I oh, really look at this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you never really see him. You just see Jerry's reaction like, no, no. Oh, God, oh, God. He's like falling over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that is, that is a great, that is a great episode. <laughs> he goes, I can't stop. And his like entire chest is covered in shaving yeah. cream. <laughs> um, the uh but yeah like the fact though that for the most part right jerry you know because it's not like everybody loves raymond or like i don't know home improvement where you're sort of putting it's like the stand-up comics comedy front front and center yeah and sort of like living into it it's rather more jerry is the straight man and everyone around him is doing the comedy um yeah you know which you know that just makes me think of something a criticism i read about ghostbusters recently um, not, well, not Chris, but like talking about Ghostbusters because they were talking about how I read something about you know it had to, it had to do with the fact that um, uh, what's his name um, Ernie Hudson you know had been really short changed a lot in the financially and culturally and everything with Ghostbusters yeah and that you know there's all this talk about you know he was brought in because Eddie Murphy was originally supposed to be his role and that didn't, that didn't work out. Um, and that there's all this been talk, you know, there's talk over the years about, oh, the movie would have been so much better if Eddie Murphy had been in the role and all this stuff. But I, po- I read something where they said, you know, Ernie Hudson is actually perfect um, because he's the, you know, it's, it's sort of great that they allow a black man to be the everyman and to be the audience surrogate, to be the one that's just like, what is all this craziness happening around me? Right. And they compared that to the, the, the later Ghostbusters, the all-female Ghostbusters, and how one of the things about that movie that doesn't work is that everyone is trying to be Bill Bill Murray in that movie. Like everyone is trying to be the comedic person, and so like right. because of that, it's just chaos. That you need that one straight person to 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 
you know, to balance it out or whatever. And so like, that's kind of what Jerry is doing in his own show, which yeah. is great. Winston doesn't have jokes in the movie. Like, Not too many. No, he has lines. He doesn't have jokes. He has lines. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, like I've seen shit that'll turn you white. That's a great, that's a great line. Um, but it's not a joke. Right. One, one thing I realized we're talking about, we, you know, we're running out of time here, but I, I do realize I, I wanted to, we, we talked about the puzzle. We talked a little, talking a little bit about the finale of Seinfeld. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't able to finish it. Um, okay. but I, I've seen it enough. Um, yeah. I watched it when it aired. I was pretty excited yeah, I did about too. it. And I just remember like everyone being very pissed off. And yeah, that was, I, I think, my- I actually think that might've been the very first serious finale I'd ever seen in my life. Okay. And what a perfect way to start it off because like from then on, I don't think I'd ever watched a serious finale that was ever, ever in any way satisfying. Uh, yeah. Very few. I can probably think of one breaking bad had a good serious finale. Um, wasn't there one Buffy? recently that I thought was pretty good. It was, I mean, I thought, well, we won't talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> but I say Buffy. You like Buffy. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of bittersweet about it. I think, I think they wrote the best possible ending for that, for that one. Oh, the greatest series finale of all time. Yeah. Star Trek The Next Generation. Never seen it. You've never seen All Good Things? No, I'm still, I actually still haven't finished Next Generation. Dude, all good things is great. Nah, haven't um, seen. The finale of um, the finale of Deep Space Nine is not bad, but it, it definitely leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I, here's the thing about the Seinfeld finale. I remember finishing it with my mom, and both of us just sort of being like, "That's it." Yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't until years later and reflecting on it that I realized how brilliant a finale it actually is. I actually agree with Larry David. There's nothing wrong with that finale. Yeah. Um, it, Larry said that if he had done it differently, the only thing he would do different is he wouldn't make it as secretive because he think that that built up hype and expectations that were never going to be lived. There was no way they could live up to them. Uh-huh. If they hadn't been so secretive, he thinks it would have been better received. I think that one of the reasons why I think people don't like the finale of Seinfeld is that it does such an effective job of getting you to realize how terrible these people are. Right. And that you're kind of like, it kind of makes you feel a little bit like, ha ha, you've been laughing at awful people for nine years. Yeah. And finding them beloved. And, and by being confronted with that reality is a little bit like, Oh, I don't want that. Well, and it's kind of funny cause it sets it up to be like something good is finally going to happen to these characters. Right. Like their, their lives are going to change for the better. And then, and then it's like whole new everything. And then like, oh, no, this is about how terrible they are, why they don't deserve that. (laughs) And why I think this is a good episode to talk about a little bit in terms of like a religion, right, religious theme for us is that the episode is featured or is is, the storyline is very much like last judgment. Yeah. You know, you're being confronted with a lifetime of sin and you're put on trial you know, I mean, that's exactly what this episode is. It's the final judgment. I mean, you could say, I think I've, I think I've read fan theories where people believe that that airplane actually did crash, mm. and that the rest of the episode is actually taking place in the afterlife. 
I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, but yeah. Well, and I think what I think is beautiful, I almost brought this up because uh, past Sunday, we, um, one of our, re- our readings from the beginning of the book of Job, mm-hmm. which is the one where, you know, Hasatan, the, the accuser, Satan, is it we often say, you know, yeah. appears in the heavenly throne room and is telling God, you know, like, ah, well, if you, you know, you give, if we, if we mess with Job, he'll recant his faith. Um, the, the way that the way that Satan is actually depicted or Satan, right, the accuser, it's not right to call him Satan because he's not the devil as we think of the devil now. It's a different understanding. Um, the accuser is basically like I almost brought this up, but I think it was too weird to use as a sermon illustration. So anyone from churches that know my sermon, you can hear this, but is um, is Newman in the finale to me is exactly what the accuser is. It's like Newman is just sort of like, here's my chance to finally put these people away, you know? Yeah. Like here's my chance to finally do it, right? And that's that's what that's the role of the accuser in the book of Job is just like he's gleefully being like, "Ha, ah, god, you're wrong about these people." Right. Like um um but yeah, I like the finale. I mean, I, I don't know if I like the finale. I don't know that I'm going out of my way to watch it because it is kind of like, I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's not, it's not one of the best Seinfeld episodes. It's not. But, but in terms of a finale for the show, like I don't, I mean, what, what else could you do? I mean, it, it is kind of, I, I, I have mixed feelings on it personally. Um, I don't know that they had to do a whole courtroom scene revisiting all of these characters in these moments when they had just done a clip show. Right. So it's like, you know, you do one or the other. You know what I mean? Like, it are just kind of drawing. It feels like just sort of drawing out the clip show we watched earlier, which is like, oh, I remember how great this show was. And it's like, I don't know. I, I wish they had... You know, in sort of truly Seinfeld chaotic chaos uh, uh, tradition, maybe just like a run-of-the-mill episode <laughs> that right. has. I well, don't know. I feel like that's. I know that Larry David has probably said good things about it, but I don't. I don't. I don't know that I believe him. <laughs> I feel like if well, I feel like if you if you told Larry David, "Hey, we're going to end it. What are you going to do?" It was like, "Oh, let's just end it." Like. Yeah, Sopranos. Oh, that's 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 the finale that I watched recently that I loved. Uh, Sopranos ending like that was controversial. Just, like I I could yeah, see him doing something that, like The Sopranos. Yeah, I've been I've been use, I've been joking about that because uh, uh, lately um, our daughter will like randomly un- unknowingly to us will like grab the TV remote and hit the power button, turn the TV off in the middle of like a show that we're watching, and so yeah. I'll be like, oh, it's The Sopranos. Like it's just. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the. Um, the, I mean, technically the finale is not the finale of Seinfeld because they've continued the story with season seven of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And uh, or they continue the show because they do a reunion as part of the plot of that. And there's great because Larry and um, Larry and Jerry, of course, it's Larry and Jerry, yeah. you know, they're fictional. Right. It's super meta at this point because the Jerry, the Jerry in Curb Your Enthusiasm is a fictional character who is writing a fictional TV version of himself. Yeah. Right. Um, you also, by the way, get a great moment where Larry David plays George. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's funny. Um, but 
it's uh, but it deals with the you know they're, they're at one point they're sitting there writing the episode and Jerry makes a comment. He goes, "Look, we already blew one finale," <laughs> and uh, and and Larry is like, "There's nothing wrong with that finale. There's a good finale." That's funny. Um, but it uh, you know, but like it, you get you get seven minutes of an actual Seinfeld episode. Huh. I've never and seen it, it. It's good. I have to check it out. I'll tell you if you don't mind spoilers. Sure. George George became a millionaire. That's good. And he he, he became a millionaire on an app that <laughs> rates uh, that that can locate a decent public toilet. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a callback to that to that episode, and yeah. he gave all of his money to Bernie Madoff. Oh no! And lost it all. <laughs> and so now he's living on Jerry's couch. Wow. And divorced because he he got married and he's now divorced. But his the the, the plot is his ex wife had actually taken out her half of the money before the divorce, so it never went to it never went to Madoff. And so George is now trying to get back with his ex wife so that he can get his money back. That's great. Um, very very very, very classic. It's definitely worthwhile. And then of course there is the uh, the the episode of comedians in cars getting coffee, which is. Filmed after, which was filmed after that Curb Your Enthusiasm season. And so that technically, I guess, counts as the the coda of well, Seinfeld. It, and this is what uh, and Jerry himself said, that he's not going to do anything more after this. Like, that was uh, it. Yeah, I, I don't blame them. I I, personally, I don't think they have to. Like, yeah. nine seasons, we're good. Yeah. Do you know he was offered, was it like $10 million an episode or something? Just an yeah. insane amount of money. For a tenth season, and he just said no. That was, gosh, man. There was a time when sitcom actors were were raking in that kind of money. Like uh, Kelsey Grammer, I think he was at one point like the highest paid actor in Hollywood while he was doing Frasier. Yeah, at one point. And yeah, it's just they, so weird to think of that now because there's sitcoms. Like, right? I don't know. It's 70. it's strange to think about that now. 78 million people watched the Seinfeld finale. Wow. Jeez. The TV land network went off the air for the duration of the finale. Wow. Like by comparison, like these are like Super Bowl numbers. Yeah. You know, commercial was it? It was like a million dollars for 30 seconds to advertise during the finale of Seinfeld. I mean, it was insane. Wow. Um, there's a great cracked article from several months back that said that there will never be a finale like that ever again. I don't think so. You're probably right. I feel like maybe the lost finale was a pretty big deal. Nah, even because they, they, they give the figures. Yeah. Um, Seinfeld was the third third most watched finale after The Fugitive and MASH. I, I do love Seinfeld. I love watching Seinfeld. And if anything, it, it makes me miss... Um, just like modular TV. Like, right. I would love a TV show whose only existence is just to make me laugh. And I'm not talking about SNL. Like, something that, right. like, it, it, it operates on, on two frequencies, all right? It's got to make me laugh. And I got to be able to fold my laundry while it's on. Well, uh, arguably, JP, anything Chuck Lorre makes satisfies those needs. Chuck Lorre's but they don't make me laugh. They don't make you laugh. No, they're dumb. They're bad. Bad shows. God, 
complete bad. Oh, the Big Bang Theory is terrible. Yeah, it's and awful. Like, I get angry. I get angry when I find out that people like it because I'm like, you're you're just wrong, right? Like there are there are a handful of objective truths in the world. Last Jedi is the best Star Wars, and and Big Bang Theory is bad. Yeah, Sheldon. You know the fact that there's a whole TV show that asks the question, "What if there was a young Sheldon?" Yeah, that's, that's and the fact that it's like a and the fact that it's like a single cam, not a multi cam show. Yeah, it's over, dude. It's over. Um, have you have you seen the videos on the internet where like they take like Big Bang Theory or Friends and they strip the laugh tracks out of them? Yeah, I have. It's hilarious. It's 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 kind of disturbing. Yeah, I mean, I know Seinfeld has a laugh track. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I actually read something recently where Jerry was talking about that they they used the laugh track. Well, they actually filmed you know most of it in front of a live studio audience, but they right. said that they included a laugh track uh, in like outdoor shots because it was weird to yeah. not have it. I mean that's I mean that's that's standard practice for like every sitcom. Yeah, yeah. but he talks about how it they liked him and him and Larry liked the laugh track because it. To them, it helped capture the sense that you're part of the studio audience watching it. Right. That makes sense. Right. It wasn't being used as like, you know, for them, right, they wrote their jokes based off of the way that people responded to it. So they knew that people would laugh. Right. They weren't like, they weren't like, you know, well, like Big Bang Theory, where they're going to use the laugh track as a way to tell you something's funny that's not funny. Right. Or Friends, because I hate that show. <laughs> You know, and like you're talking because you're talking about modular TV and you want to get back to that. I mean, do you yeah. think this is something that we could have today? Like um, who? OK, so Jerry Seinfeld is a stand up comedian. What stand up comedian could have a show? That we would tune into. I mean, he already tried. And I, I and I but I for some reason I didn't know he did. And when I'm, I'm not having checked it out, but John Mulaney. Oh, um, right. But he did have a show, and apparently it got canceled after, like, the first season. So, I mean, what do I know? <laughs> you know, right. these days well, when comedians make shows, they're like, they're, like, um, they're like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. They're single camera. They're running well, gun. They, you know, like Mark yeah. Maron did his. And, well, the thing you know. about these the, – but the thing about those shows, too, is I'll, I'll say that one of the things that I've found interesting that, you know, Seinfeld ended, and then there really wasn't anything until – like the office, right. at least on NBC. Yeah. And right. I mean, there was friends, friends was still going for rest development. I felt this off the air. Oh, rest of development. But that, but it was canceled, right? It was such a short lived thing. Yeah. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about a show that sort of fit the pop culture, like that, that pocket. Right. And I, I feel like, I don't feel like there was much between Seinfeld and the office, at least not on NBC. Right. I mean, cause Frazier there, was still around for a while. Friends was around for Friends was around until the early 2000s. The Office was around for a while, too. Uh, right. But, but Michael leaves, you know. Yeah. Well, the point, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is, is that with, with, office, with, with The Office, <laughs> office space, with The Office, you start getting into cringe comedy. Yeah. And that's, that's, that, that's not everybody's cup of tea. Like, I'm not, I don't really like watching people get embarrassed. Right. Um... And it, it it worked because of the nature of the show. Like it was supposed to be like a documentary, mockumentary right. style of show. So like for it to be cringe works because you're catching people's embarrassing moments and like it's right. not scripted, right? 
Right. I mean, like Kane and I just finished watching the entire run of Modern Family, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Um, And I know it gets a lot of, I don't know why, it gets a lot of flack from people, but I thought it was a perfectly good, the best you could get from a modern era sitcom. Um, But... John Mulaney, you mentioned John Mulaney. I mean, he's he's kind of like Jerry Seinfeld for like our generation, right? Um, uh, Hannibal Buress is really good on Broad City. Broad City was a pretty funny show. That's kind of what is sort of replaces sitcom are these sort of like single camera, yeah, weirdo comedies. New Girl, New Girl. Um, well, not even Brooklyn like, Nine Nine was great. Yeah, well, yeah, that Last was pretty good. Not good. But propaganda, but you know, nope, whatever. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get like another like like that '70s show, right? You know, or anything like that. I, I I think that it sort of evolved into these sort of like creator-controlled, um, yeah, serialized stuff. Things like Marin, Mark Marin's right. show, um. Which, are, which again, I, I think all kind of stemmed from Kirby enthusiasm. Well, and there's also, of course, the factor that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these people do stupid crap and then they get themselves, you know, relegated to the ether like Louis C.K. Yeah. And that's the thing. They're, they're kind of shot like independent films. Right. They have this sort of like, uh, uh, what's that mumblecore quality to it. Yeah. Where it's kind of visceral, kind of raw, kind of realistic, right? Um, but I don't know. I, I guess <laughs> uh, Silicon Valley was really funny. I liked that show. Yeah, Mike I haven't Judge. watched it. I need to check it out. Well, Mike Judge is just brilliant. I mean, Cur- we talk about Kirby enthusiasm. I mean, it you know yeah. it sort of continued. It was a spiritual successor to Seinfeld in a lot of ways, you know. And so is Always Sunny. Um, I mean, you know, always, it's always funny is like an example of what I'm talking about. These sort of single camera, single yeah. camera comedies that are almost like independent films in a way. Right. And but of course, it, it's it always sunny. Modular, baby. It's modular. It's just out there to make you laugh. Right. It's not yeah. like, yeah, because even Kirby Enthusiasm has like season line, season wide story arcs and stuff like that. Yeah. Which I'm which um, I'm fine with. But I, I still love a show where I can just drop in. Right. Show me what you got. Right. Well, it's fascinating that's starting to change because um, um, Star Trek Discovery yeah. is going to go back to episodic format. It's not going to be. It's not going to be arc. Really? Um, Strange, yeah. Strange New Worlds, the Enterprise show, that's going to be. It's not serialized. That's going to be episodic. Nope, they're not going serialized for any of the news. The Picard will be, but the other two Star Trek shows are going to be episodic. Ooh, that sounds really interesting. I think I gotta check that out. Because yeah. I want that. So I'm wondering if we're starting to get back to that. You know, the show that did it so perfectly, in my opinion, was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because yeah. even, there were definitely seasonal arcs, but they were still episodic in a way. They, they rode the line perfectly. Yeah, and, Deep, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. That. Sopranos. Like, Sopranos is the reason why every show is serialized now. But when right. you watch Sopranos, there are episodes that are just, like, beautiful on their own. Mm-hmm. Um. But um, and I would even call it like that. That show that serialized at all in the first place. Um, there are some episodes that lead into one another, but like it's not like Lost or Twenty Four. 
Yeah, know. I would I would argue that Lost was the is probably more responsible for serialized well, it's, television. You know, Lost Sopranos. was like it was coming in same time as Sopranos. So I, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, though all well, those Sopranos, shows. Are, yeah, yeah, Sopranos was the first show that looked like a movie. Yes, it was the first like yeah, the first time what we they were, call prestige TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Lost. Lost was you know, I never got into Lost. <laughs> Lost is oh man, what a great episode that would make, because I was I was a Lost head. I was a, I was definitely a Lost fan. As it should was. I should I. Kane and I have been looking for should should Kane and I like watch Lost? Should we just do it? I feel like I mean I, I would love to I would love to see you guys try, but I also feel like you would get very frustrated with it. Because they are definitely making it up as they were going. Oh yeah. I, I know that. <laughs> I know that. But here's the thing is I I am I am just so over JJ Abrams. Anyway, so Seinfeld great show. Uh religious <laughs> episodes also happen to be like some of the best ones. I think that's definitely for yeah. a reason. That's it feels on purpose. Um, there's probably other ones that we just didn't think of. Like I, I know we were talking about that one rabbi character, right? Well, that's like the Shiksa episode. The Shiksa, is yeah, the one that deals with you know because for me the question is that religion or is that culture? Yeah, you know, um, and um, yeah, the rabbi the rabbi shows up also. I feel like there's a couple of there's a couple of bar mitzvah episodes. Yeah. Oh, there's that – no, the Shiksa one is the one, the bar mitzvah, right? That's the one where the kid kisses – the bar mitzvah kid kisses Elaine. Yeah, right. But that rabbi is great. I love when he shows up. Yeah. So, uh, you, know, you know, if you got, uh, if you got Netflix, uh, visit your old pal Jerry and his friends. Yeah, they're, they're real people, real TV people. <laughs> um, I remember when that show went into syndication and it was like a huge deal, like – Getting to watch TBS. Seinfeld every night. TBS, baby. That junk was on constantly. Yeah. Seinfeld. And when The Simpsons went syndicated, like, my life changed. Um, I had something to watch all the time. I have so, not watched The Simpsons in probably 20 years. I feel like we need to revisit The Simpsons for this podcast. Seinfeld fans need, like, a name. Do they have a name? Like, Seinheads or Seinfeldians? Is there, like, a name? Uh, sign fans? I don't know. <laughs> Lost in sign? I don't know. <laughs> I know the name of the wiki is wiki sign, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't is know. it a wiki about nothing? <laughs> it's good. I like that. Okay. Well, Father Chuck, thank you for coming out. Hey, you're welcome. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you again next week. Good journey. Emma Lama Pono.